the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new Generation Declassified here exclusively on the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling Podcasting Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take a journey back in time. We go back and revisit the good old days of the World Wrestling Federation from the mid-90s, 1993 to early 1997. Uh, This week, an interesting little wrinkle. We're going to kind of call it in the ring. Uh, changing plans from what I was supposed to be doing this week, but that's okay because uh, I'm a professional and I like to bring the professionals in to talk about uh, their specific topics. So joining me today is the uh, logo man extraordinaire, the guy who is uh, my personal favorite designer. I mean, he's done everything from the Mona Lisa to, uh, you know, the one with the farmers, you know, whatever that thing is. They, he did that, and uh, he also designed my logo, my perfectly rated logo, it's Eli of Eli's the concepts or designs. I don't want to butcher your name. So go ahead, Eli. What's going on, brother? <laughs> Man, not much going on over here. Just driving around. Apologize for the background noise. But, you know, when when I ain't doing digital concepts, I'm driving around doing deliveries. <laughs> Eli's digital concepts, folks, for those who are listening. And again, he's the working man, but he's my guy. He's the guy who I think of with artwork. Uh, when I have any sort of design ideas, I bounce them off of Eli. Eli brings them to life in his own uh, special way, which is uh, wonderful and, might I say, perfectly rated. But, again, that's enough shilling for the perfectly rated uh, logo. Kind of kind of talk about uh, the style of the 90s and the 90s logos. But tell us, what kind of fan were you growing up in the 90s? Man, I was uh... – I was the guy that bounced back and forth between WCW and WWF. I didn't really stick to one show. I was, you know, just a fan of it all. I was, I still am a fan of wrestling. I mean, whenever they got to the entertainment part, that's where they kind of lost me. It's like, let's get back to what brought you here. I mean, I got to kind of agree with Shane Douglas. You know, it's the sport of professional wrestling. It's not sports entertainment. That's, that's the way it is to me. Hey, I can't beat you on that. No, absolutely right. Um, I think there's a good marriage, and the WWF in the mid-'90s married it very well because they kind of went cartoony. They kind of went a little corny, uh, got away from maybe some of the more, uh, I guess, sophisticated uh, characters that they had earlier in the uh, the 80s. But in the 90s, they were kind of finding their way again. Uh, what kind of fan were you growing up in terms of the mid-90s? Where were you at? Where, did you watch Monday Night Raw every week? Were you uh, kind of a casual viewer? Like, What were your viewing habits? No, I was watching Raw and actually Nitro, but I, I was liking the Raw product at the time. I mean, that was whenever they started that. Uh, what was that? The Manhattan Center. Yep. And, uh, you know, I was enjoying the – I like the more grittier uh, storyline, you know, the whenever the Sean and Brett were starting to go at it and that rivalry was heating up really good. That was what interests me. 
Okay. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, and that's obviously that's so that's a little bit into the end of our era and then going on into the attitude era the, or the pre attitude era. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, it, it was a time where people tapped out, but it was a time where people, you know, like myself, I mean, I was all in. I said this was when, you know, I really uh, started to focus on stuff that I didn't realize as a kid. And you kind of looked at the grand scheme of things and saw, well, there's elements of this old WWF that I used to love. But there's also a new generation, a new crop of talent. So who were some of the guys that you grew up enjoying? Is it just your classic Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior? Or is there more guys from this era, the Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart's of the world? You know, at the time, I've always been a British Bulldog guy. I mean, I I like Dynamite Kid a little bit more because it was a little guy thing. But Davey Boy, you know, not that he was underrated. They used him perfectly. Thank you. But... (laughs) <laughs> no problem but you know, it was that you saw a lot more potential in him that, that they could have pulled out i mean i think whenever he jumped to wcw that was the perfect opportunity to bring more out of him but yeah i like the davy boy smith um i was thinking about after you and i talked earlier i'm like you know what to a degree um bringing i guess it did kind of go to attitude error but whenever sean broke apart brutus beefcake was another favorite of mine I kind of stayed off the path. I mean, I was a Hogan Warrior fan, but I liked the Paul Orndorff. I liked the uh, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, of course. You know, those characters, those were the ones that really drew me in that seemed a little bit more entertaining. But then, of course, you start to think about it. You had been exposed to them earlier in AWA and other places, and you were like, man, what are they going to do with them now that they're – in the WWF because isn't that where everybody wanted to be? Yeah. And I feel like sometimes they, their uh, star power kind of got pushed down, watered down, pushed in different directions. And I like playing the what if game, you know, what if they would have done more with Davey? What if they would have done more with Kurt Henning? All that, but you know, it all worked out. I mean, they're all hall of famers in their own right. Yeah, and this was the time for like a guy like Davy Boy Smith who'd kind of been around, and we'd seen him get the you know semi big push with the IC strap. Well, he gets the world title push. He doesn't win it, you know, and that's obviously a whole uh, episode uh, <laughs> in a nutshell as well. But Mr. Perfect, another one, you know, um, a guy who if you type in uh, you know guys that should have been world champs, well, if you don't count the AWA, a lot of people put Kurt Hennig at the top of that list, and in this era. You know, he didn't really get a huge chance because of his back injury and, and his Lloyd's of London insurance policy. But nonetheless, this would have been the perfect time for Mr. Perfect to have that run uh, as a world champ. But he had, I mean, he had a good little spot in in this era. So liking those guys, I'm all about it. Those are the, That's the same way. Outside of your Hogan's and Pipers of the world, I, those are my second tier guys. Bulldog, I, I cool on a little bit, but I, I do love me some Mr. Perfect. Um, so let's talk about the style. The WWF logo back in the 80s, everybody knows it. Synonymous with professional wrestling, even more so than the NWA uh, or WCW. The WWF block logo of the 1980s is what we think of when we think of wrestling growing up. In this era, they switched it. They kind of modernized it. They gave it a little more color. They, they kind of changed the design and look. Um, when you think about the WWF and you think about their logo, do you think their logo needed a change? You know what? At the time, to keep up with it, that was something that you were just 
touching on, they're bridging the gaps between the generations just the same way The Undertaker did. If you look at the evolution of his character, there were subtle changes. They needed to change to keep everything up to date and keep it fresh. I mean, in the early 90s, adding the pops of yellow and blue and all the bright colors, it was targeting that younger audience. They've always done good about let's go to the younger audience and hope that the younger audience will bring the adults back in, in my opinion. They technically say in 1995 is when they changed the logo. Now, they had alterations of that original classic one. They, they had it in a solid color. They had it in just a plain old like white color. They would maybe change it with the font of the pay-per-view, maybe match the borders a little bit. But 95 is where they legit go to a blue and yellow block WWF logo. They turn it on an angle a little bit. Now, I guess that makes it funky and that makes it hip as if you turn it a little bit. But from a designer's point of view, it's a little more simple than that original logo. The original logo had a kind of like a, a white and bluish tint to it with this gold outline lettering, but this yellow and blue logo, it almost seems like your old clip art style. It doesn't have a really cool look to it versus that original one. So from a design point of view, is that, do you like that one or do you rather prefer that gold kind of white hue, bluish tint that the original one had? With, every, with the advancement in technology and them uh, having more having uh, more programs to bring in and change it, I think they did take a step back instead of taking a step forward with what they could do as far as the depth, the feel of it, the realism of it. I mean, in 95, they're probably dealing with stuff like Photoshop 4 or 5 to where they could have brought in a more holographic feel to really modernize it instead of, like you said, flattening it out and just going with two simple colors just for the uh, the simplicity of it, maybe? Yeah, it's very simple. I mean, it is as simple as simple as going to get. It's funny, you say, you know, an early version of Photoshop, perhaps, but it really looks like uh, somebody took a, a crayon and just <laughs> dribbled uh, color over one of those blank uh, slate clear WWF logos and put a blue b uh, box behind it. There's no thought to it. There's no uh, dimension. So if they use Photoshop, <laughs> even if it was an early version of it, th that guy needed to be fired because <laughs> yeah, this thing, this thing that, stinks. <laughs> it was definitely phoned in. It was like, hey, we just need something. Let's get two bright colors, two bright primary colors. Let's throw them on the page and let's go on down the road. I mean, it, it seems like something that was done right as it was going to print or right as it was going to editing. Let's just get it done and let's something new. Here's the new logo. Yeah, almost like maybe they could have just changed the colors depending on the event. You know, if the SummerSlam theme is red or if it's, uh, you know, an orangey color, I mean, that wouldn't have looked very good, but still maybe it's something they could have done now from a color perspective and, and this era having a lot of colors, the nineties having a lot of colors a few weeks ago, I had on uh, Mike Durbin. I had on Joe Feeney. We were talking about merchandise and we were talking about how gaudy some of the colors were and how much they stood out. In reflecting the times of the 90s, those color schemes kind of reigned supreme. You had to get gaudy. You had to get bright. But for a sports-ish product, sports entertainment, is this a little too bright? I think it was. I, I was giving that some thought, too. I'm like, you know what? In that time frame, now look at them. If you don't have a black shirt with a white font on it, it's not going to sell. And back then, you could differentiate. Everything was bright and gaudy. I know you already pointed out the Razor Ramon shirt. 
Yes. <laughs> the bright-ass yellow. I mean, even Undertaker didn't have a black shirt. I think his shirt was purple. It was purple and, like, white and that kind of weird it, designs all over it. You did the full-length uh, print of the entire guy or the entire face and almost – I hate to bring it up because I know it's Raven's favorite thing. You had the print on both sides of the shirt, the front and the back, and it was like the back usually was – just a duplicate of the front. So it was like, what were they doing? I mean, just <laughs> it, it definitely was the era of gaudy, bold graphics with bright colors just splashed everywhere. But it's weird because it doesn't reflect all the shows. You know, the shows weren't flashy colors. You know, Raw was always red and black. And, uh, you know, the superstars or challenge aprons, eh, they had a little color splash to them, but they weren't hitting you over the head. But every time you watch the WWF program, this giant blue and yellow block was in the corner. Now, some of the guys, you touched on it there. You know, the Razor Ramon shirt was yellow. The Undertaker shirt was purple. You know, Lex Luger had red, white, and blue. The Hitman had black and pink. Uh, matching the guys' logos. When you look at some of the designs they had for them in that era, 93 to 97, are you impressed by any? Do you think they're as iconic as maybe the Hulkamania or the Hot Rod? Do you think any really stand out to you? You know, there were a few. I mean, the some of the original. The uh, I go back and think about uh, yeah, Saturday night's main event where they would have the logos pop up on the screen preceding yeah. the matches. Those, I think they should have used those more on the t-shirt designs and all the uh, propaganda or public uh, publications than they did. I mean, some of that stuff was a lot brighter and a lot better than, like you said, the little yellow and blue box at the bottom corner. Uh, there were some really great designs. There were some that really failed. I mean, Sean had a good logo at the time. Uh, Brett had a good logo at the time. Uh, Diesel's was just his name, but, you know, they were capitalizing on the impact of that one single image. I mean, that's something I think you and I are both a fan of. That's why your design went over so well. It's like, it's simple. It's bold. It's out there. It stands out. Right. I mean, now some of the logos they're doing, you look at some of the t-shirt designs that are out there from other companies. You're like, what are they even promoting here? What is, what's going on? It's so busy. And so there's so much chaos going on in the image because they're using PNGs and they got away from the impactfulness of the simple message. You made a great point with Diesel because that, to me, that's probably the one that stands out the most of the era. I'm not going to say even, you know, Bret Hart had a really cool one with the, you know, with the target in the middle and the name going across it. Uh, you know, Luger had the flag with his name, but I think the Diesel one is probably the most recognizable of that era because it is simple. It's just his name in a, I guess, a truck style font. What would you call that? Like roadkill font. And yeah. it was just black and silver or black and white, depending on what they put it on. And to me, it's like if that if the Diesel logo was three years later in the Attitude Era, that shirt is rivaling Stone Cold because it's just as simple. And but that's it's weird to say it's the evolution of the design style because that was the first. I think one of the first comments I made. Everybody now is using that black and white style. Yeah, some of my designs, I'm reaching out going man, you want to try this on a white shirt or gray background or, you know, some of the designs I'm doing and they're like, no black background. <laughs> like uh, stone cold kind of cornered the market on that one. I mean, 
You know, <laughs> now everybody's doing it because I mean, who would have thought the what shirt would have went over as big as it did? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just a plain old black, but I mean, that's kind of, I mean, and I'm, you know, we're, this is an audio I'm wearing my shirt, perfectly rated black on white. Black is very slimming. Black looks good with everything. It's hard to not put it on a black shirt, but it's almost like this era is one of the only ones. And, and, and they did it in the late eighties too, where you could get away with a different color t-shirt. But if funny enough, the black, shirt of diesel with the white or silver logo i think that's the best looking one of the era you really can't argue i mean i think i even pitched to you whenever we did the first perfectly rated design i think i sent it to you black on white and you were like no it's got to be white text on black shirt and i was like okay let's let's go <laughs> yeah yeah you know, exactly going inside uh you know the the war room of course but it really, it's the kind of thing like, look, you want somebody to buy your shirt. Well, what are they going to buy? They're going to buy the black shirt with the, you know, the white lettering. Cause again, it, it goes good with everything. Throw on a pair of blue jeans and a perfectly rated shirt. And you're, you're going to the party and you're going to be the cool guy. That's just yeah, my personal opinion. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be perfectly rated. Now I'm glad I didn't wear my shirt today. Cause right now we'd be, you and I would have the inside joke that we're sitting here wearing the same damn shirt. <laughs> again audio only so uh there's no he's for all i know you are wearing it it's audio only so uh that being said uh yeah looking at some of the other logos you know um i mean there's i'll go to the monday night raw one there was a time where they took the general monday night raw it was just a a, a red lettering with a little bit of a black top it said monday night but they switched it to blue for a little while do you remember this switch i don't remember the blue one no they switched it to blue for a very short time in 1994, and it didn't last long. They did it in, in complete with the full uh, makeover of, a, of an intro video. Same raw song, but everything had a blue hue rather than a red hue, and it didn't fit, and it went back to the red uh, right away. I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to pull it up as we're talking, or <laughs> if, you're, <laughs> if you're able to, uh, to, to see while you're uh, doing your thing. Uh, but, yeah, they went to the blue. And it really just, I don't know, it just is something that if I think of Raw, I think of red with black. Now, if you were going to change the color of Raw during that time as a design specialist, what would you, if you think the name Raw, what colors are you thinking? Well, no, that's what I was just about to say. The name Raw, probably in your immediate thought is probably like Raw meat or Raw, you know, just Raw and out there. And I think it might even been funny that Eddie Murphy might have set the precedence for that because he had Eddie Murphy raw and he was out there wearing red and black. We don't yeah. know where the inspiration came from. Oh, there it is. Yeah, you uh, see that? So the, here's the classic red lettering, white Monday night above the raw with the WWF logo in white. But for this short time, they went to blue. Wow. Could they have possibly been testing for SmackDown coming up going, we want to eventually go to a second show. What's the blue going to do? <laughs> they would have been thinking about eight years ahead and one uh, uh, wildlife lawsuit that they could have never anticipated. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Well, never mind. I'll... Now that statement's retracted. <laughs> oh, you know what? I might use this uh, for the uh, for the <laughs> for the video, for the picture of the episode. This great Shawn Michaels standing on the raw sign uh, from Raw on the roof. Uh, you know what? What that is one of the most iconic. Uh, Whenever Raw started and they were coming out, would they come out from behind the Raw as it yeah. was sitting in the entryway? I mean, still, that that should stand out to any fan of that era going. They were in the Manhattan Center and uh, 
later on, didn't Sabu dive off that? Or was that Rob Van Dam? No, it was Sabu, but it was literally at the end of them using these block letters. They actually phased it out. I want to say about three weeks later where they, they ended up getting rid of the raw lettering, the, the raw logo for the entryway and turn it into the Titan Tron. So as, as iconic as it is, and this is funny that we're talking about logos. They literally brought their logo to life <laughs> and yeah. made it the entrance. And that was really sweet because, and I know you can agree with this because you were a fan at the time. The rainbow colored entrance was a very cool entrance too, <laughs> but the raw logo is very cool as well. Yeah, it was like they, they did so much. I was thinking earlier, too. The uh, I know we're getting off subject, but hey, what show have I been on that it hasn't gone off the rails? I think the SmackDown initial fist coming out of the entryway was ahead of its time. Oh, absolutely. You know, but back to the Raw logo, that it goes back to the simplicity and the impact of it. It's a bright, bold word just right there in the entryway. It's one word, three right. letters. I mean, right now I'm battling trying to get a design together for another three-letter word, and it's like, what do you do with this? But that's a story for another time. <laughs> but that also could have went along with the red and blue, or the yellow and blue of the logo, because now you got the yellow, the blue, and the red, all three primary colors represented on their show whenever they show you the blue and yellow WWF block at the bottom on the watermark, and then they show you the raw logo in the center, Well, now you got all those bright, colors that just come off the tv screen at you because again we're back at a time whenever there wasn't any high resolution high definition everybody was running 320 dpi at best and well let me ask you this as a designer mr designer man uh when you t get somebody pitches something to you okay and you know like this show for instance you know where i said look this is a themed show with this era does your mind go straight to the retro style design and, and the simplicity of these styles where the advancements weren't there yet? Where do you kind of take the, the palette and grow it? Do you look at what other logos looked at or do you want to kind of create your own um, idea of what you might think a logo would look like from this time frame? I would, I start with my own original foundation. That's why sometimes it takes a couple of days to go, man, what would I do with this? Yours you kind of put it on my plate and let me play around with it for a little while. And the whole time I'm going, you know, the, the title new generation declassified, I'm immediately thinking about old file folders sitting on somebody's desk going, what are we going to do with this? And that's where it kind of all started to evolve. And I wanted to bring the new technology into the old, but you know, the retroness of it, there's a cool feel to it. Right. I mean, RTW with the RTW rewind, whenever, Rob mentioned to me, hey, I want to do kind of a Miami Vice style. It was like, yes, okay, this is this is going to look cool. And, you know, it, it came forward pretty quick. Um, but it's the same thing. You know, each logo should fit what it's going to be used for. I mean, yours, I wanted that open. I wanted an open image to where you could put something behind there and have a couple of different images going on at once. That's why the Polaroid's there. And then it gave you, because you even asked me, what do I do with this? How am I going to use this on a transparency? And I pulled it up and kind of moved some stuff around to show you how, how it can be used. And, man, you ran ran with it from there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we had a general 
you know, general idea, but kind of the same uh, goal um, in mind. And, you know, the, the stack of files on the, uh, the desk. I, I mean, I love that. I think that's, that's perfect because we are trying to declassify some of this great uh, new generation goodness. Um, give me a couple guys that you stand out. You think of um, their presence, their logo. Give me a couple that kind of jump off the page at you. Like you said, Diesel with the simplistic, just block design that he had. Um, let's see, who else had a cool one? I think Yokozuna had a cool design there for a while, didn't he? Yeah, with the with the the Chinese letter or the Japanese lettering uh, within the name. Yeah, it was just. I like the simpleness of it, the bold statement of it. I mean, I guess that's why the bright colors, because his was just. I think I remember it being just completely red. And like you said, kind of in that style, uh, Mr. Perfect had another cool, that scrolly font that he had there for a while. Uh, you know, but, ti- but time out. So the Mr. Perfect one, we can kind of give credit to the previous era, to the Federation year era where they uh, they, they kind of they borrowed it you know from a, a previous and I, I think that that looks more like the 80s style now when they used to run the promos and this is another cool little thing not just talking about logos on a t-shirt or whatever we remember this when they would do the uh, the interviews and they would say hey coming to uh, you know the the Syracuse War Memorial the WWF's coming to town and behind the guy would be a backdrop. And the backdrop would have something related to the guy. Mr. Perfect was one of the cooler ones because it was like a, you know, Greek, uh, you know, monument with the two busts of Mr. Perfect next to him. And I thought that's one of the most brilliant things they've ever designed. And that's funny because segue into this. I got to recreate that for another person we were talking about earlier. That's why it was fresh in my mind. He goes, hey, can you do this? And I'm like. Okay, yeah, I got to recreate the Mr. Perfect Roman busts. Interesting. <laughs> so Very interesting. But that was what I was thinking about, too. I'm like, whenever they do, they weren't the vignettes, but the cutscenes where they had the, uh, I guess they did them in front of a green screen behind them. Those were always really cool because those, you, you know, I think the Warrior had a really cool one. Yeah. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of really neat ones in that era that they did the backdrops for. Uh, because in the 80s, all they do is pretty much put Hulkamania and then put the cage right in front of Hulk if he was having a steel cage match or whatever. But it was the uh, it's linking it, linking it all together. It's that uh, damn giving you a lot to edit tonight. Um, not at all. There's not one thing to edit in my, on my end. <laughs> um, it's the symbolism of it. If you see the name, you immediately go to here. I mean, that's why Hulkamania stood out. It was red and yellow, and you immediately think Hulk Hogan because you don't have a reason not to. But whenever you do Hot Rod, everybody immediately thinks of Roddy Piper or where they were at the first time they saw that shirt because that shirt, that's one of the most – I would put that one over Hulkamania as being one of the most iconic shirts out there. I would agree. I mean, I would, that's – it's, it's kind of similar to Perfectly Rated. You can sit there and – you throw that on and go to a barbecue and you're the hottest guy there, but you throw on a Hulkamania shirt and they're like, Oh man, come on. Midlife crisis. <laughs> well, I usually have that problem anyway. So it's, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's I'm a I- <laughs> myself. 
it's uh, it's something I can relate to very well. I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, you're absolutely right, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, and, and that's again, maybe it's the beauty of this era. And looking back at the time, uh, we could say, okay, the block logo was a little simple. Now it's like, oh, it reminds me of such and such, or, or this match, or this uh, super card. I said recently on the uh, the eyes up here uh, Patreon with Francine, we were talking about she got her braces. I can recall uh, having my braces in the same color as the WWF's new generation uh, logo. Why? Because I was a Mark and I was a huge WWF fan. So it, it's one of those things that stuck with me. I, I might not think it's that great now, but then I was like, man, this is, you know, WWF's my thing. This is my uh, my team and I'm going to support it. So I guess it kind of works subconsciously after all. I was going to say that's probably why they won't let kids get tattoos because I have a feeling you'd have a yellow and blue tattoo somewhere, Chad. Hey man, they were my uh, I was WWF through and through. I mean, there's uh, there's no doubt about that. I I loved me some WWF, uh, but again, that's why I look like to look back at it. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, you know, I mentioned the raw changes. I mentioned some of the advancements with technology. Um, is there anything about the logos today? Even though I know we've got a lot of things that are are uh, you know at, at our fingertips, do you feel that people rely more on the vintage logos now? even for guys who are, uh, who are presently current superstars, you think they rely more on vintage designs and coming up with any new concepts? Yeah. I mean, I, I really do. You even whenever they do them, the little bit that I've seen, cause I've kind of, I'm one of those guys I tuned out. I can't, I can't stand Roman Reigns. Sorry. Hate me. Leave negative feedback, please. Uh, <laughs> don't like the guy, but his logo, just putting it into an after effects or an animation program and rotating it at the beginning. That's, you're still just using a 2D image and making it into 3D. None of these logos really pop out to me anymore. I mean, I did something similar to Roman Reigns' logo, and it, it didn't take long at all. I mean, with everything that they have at their fingertips, with the production that they have, I mean, their WrestleMania intro, you have theatrical-style stuff at your fingertips. Why are we still doing these stripped-down bare i feel basic intros for them i mean they they still have a screen behind them that they can show stuff on right right yeah do more yeah i mean pull more out animate more uh there's there's a lot to be done i mean i'm sure if i was getting paid what they were getting paid and had the production you know it's the production value they're letting they're relying too much on these guys to create their own characters well that's fine and all, but realistically, it's. I think I talked to you about this. If you don't have a good logo, a good strong logo, something that's identifiable, nobody's going to tune into your product. And right now, I think they've kind of got away from that. I mean, even if they put up a good strong logo, a good strong presence, they would still be pulling in new viewers going, man, what is this? This looks edgy and hip. I mean, ECW knocked it out of the park with a basic block font with barbed wire through it. Everybody wanted to see what that edgy shit was. What and, is it's, this? and it's genius now because how many people have copied off of that over the last 20 years? I did. <laughs> I've done it in the last six weeks. I, I'm not going to lie. There's a per, uh, Yeah, there, there's one out there that I did. I did it. It's fine, though, but, that, but I'm just saying that that's so simple. Their logo... 
with barbed wire wrapped around it. It matched the, the, the style of the show. It matched the style of the company. Yeah, but, if, but that's the thing. Now that you're, you're dealing with a grassroots, I mean, ECW was a grassroots movement. Everybody that was a part of it would agree with that. You're dealing with a multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar conglomerate. Do more. Step out there. Be the be the front runner. Because right now, as far as production value, and you look at all the graphics, I see you scrolling through here, they're losing ground to some of the people that are coming up. I've seen right. some independents that are doing some really good graphic work. Oh, yeah. WWF superstars. Hmm. I mean, I'm just scrolling through some logos, as like Eli said, and you know, you see subtle changes, but nothing that's not going to change your identity. So these are like, you know, there's the Superstars block logo. Oh, they added a little red behind it. You know, there's the Superstars logo. Oh, it's got a little bit of a blue background now. So it's it's funny. It's one of those things where they took the simple design, they kind of refined it, and every time maybe there was a change or there was an advancement, they tweak it. But then it, there must have been a time where they either cut budgets or they cut some sort of funding and it went very basic. But people now, and this is kind of finishing off that topic, but let's look at a guy like Kevin Owens every year at WrestleMania. I, and I think in an attempt to get the guy over, they take an old WrestleMania logo and they put it on a Kevin Owens shirt to what? Sell tickets? Are you, <laughs> you think that that's going to uh, make people think? Kevin Owens is this reviver of WrestleMania's past because he's got a t-shirt with the logo they used 35 years ago. I don't know. Just call me crazy. I think they rely too much on old designs and too much on, on the stuff that got them there than focusing on making something cool. And as a designer, is that does that frustrate you or does that give you an opportunity to wow somebody uh, with your own work? It Actually, I would love it if they would, like you just said, if they would open it up and go, hey, we want to take graphic artist submissions and you know let's have a little bit of a contest and see who's going to be the next graphic artist for nxt nxt's got some what they did with the uh, in your house logo here recently i really like that i actually downloaded that as soon as i saw it i was like okay they took the spin on the in your house and kind of fit it into the nxt logo and it came out looking really good and as you were scrolling through here one thing i was going to point out one that changed more than anything else I think was the Survivor Series logos changed over the years so much it's gotten light years away from where it was. I mean, right. they sim they simplified it for a while, and you know I think it's changed more than anything else. But WrestleMania seems like for the big show it is. That doesn't seem like the logo they're ever focused on. They're like ah, oh, WrestleMania. It yeah, it's weird. You're right. Well, WrestleMania, I mean, you know, here, this is what we're looking at it. This is like the current one. It's yeah. very similar to the original, which was, you know, to me, it's like, why go away from that? Everybody knows it. Why change it? You know, maybe does it look a little too. It looks a little dated. I mean, right. if you... it looks a little simple, but why go that? You know, this is close enough to me. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Black background, white letters. But that's it. But that's what I'm saying. It's just like somebody's getting paid a shitload of money <laughs> to do salary I was talking about earlier to do that. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> all you did was take off the layer style on the original WrestleMania. See, that was a great one. Well, what do they do? They added a play button. Yeah, they added a play button and they kind of just added a warp to it. I mean, all these 
me looking at them, I'm sitting here laughing to myself going, you know, that the little bits, oh, it's that WrestleMania, what they can't see is this, the WrestleMania, what was that, 32? This is 33, the one I have up in front of us. Yeah, it's got the sun behind it. That was the, see, that backdrop had the most impact to it, because that was the one with the, didn't they have the globe and the roller coaster that went around it? I don't that remember. Was, I don't remember. That was better, because I think that was one where the Hardys made the return. That was a far better stage setup than that logo is. How about that one? They stylize it for the uh, city it's going to be in. I mean, they really do. That one was the one in New Orleans. That Correct. was a that was a good use of everything. I mean, it was they got away from the color scheme, you know, the basic fade or the basic chrome overlay color scheme, and added a lot of uh, depth to it by putting the floor to leave behind it. And I think that one worked out great for them. But you could do all these fancy things and you could make it specific to the market and to the place you're supposed to be. But look, there's the King of the Ring logo. And this is one of the ones that I don't think gets the love it should. It's colorful. It stands out. It's got our design to it. It's got the crown surrounding the letters. The letters are not just your standard, you know, same size block. They, they kind of made the K and the R a little bit of a, of a, of a uppercase and the other ones being the same similar style because it's ING. But you know what I'm saying? This is one that I think gets overlooked in, in time because they did put some effort into this one, and this came out in 93. Yeah, and that was that was the other thing that I was going to point out is that that's a perfect example of when you saw that as a excuse me as a kid, you're going, oh wow, you know, they're it, things are advancing. You know, th- this is looking cool. Look at the graphics because as a kid, I wasn't looking at the product as a Kid that loved art, I'm looking at it going, man, that, that's cool intro they got there. Now, you know, you almost get excited for the match going, if they spent that kind of time and effort into putting that logo together, what did they do? What's going to happen now? You know, what's the production value going to be now behind this logo? Because they wouldn't put that much effort into a logo like that and then just have it fall flat. But in 93, they did, didn't they? They did indeed. They did indeed. And look, you could do this all day long. We could go through every logo for every pay-per-view and every show and every wrestler and all the cool stuff that they uh, they did. But at the end of the day, uh, we look back on it 20-plus, almost 30 years later, and we say, you know what? It's okay. It's all right. It's not going to blow you over. I mean, I'm going to end it there. I still love the multicolored entrance with the multicolored <laughs> WWF logo. Yeah, over the top. <laughs> that's probably still hanging in the weight room up there in Stanford. Exactly. I'll take that one. They can deliver that and I'll put it in my backyard and uh, I'll come out of my, uh, my, my back door every day to the, uh, the neon uh, logo and, and entrance. How about that? Anybody want to take me up on that? Come on, WWE. We're in the perfectly rated shirt. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's get to the wrap up here. Uh, New generation declassified. As I said, Eli does my designs not just for uh, New Generation Declassified. He also does them for my sports business at IBExclusives.com. Uh, but Eli, tell the fine listeners of uh, New Generation Declassified where they can find you and uh, if they would like to uh, maybe entertain some of your design services. Um, I think on Twitter it's at Eli's Concepts. If not, just go straight to the source and just send me an email at Eli's Digital Concepts at gmail.com. That's going to be the easiest way to get a hold of me. I 
can't keep track of all these Twitter handles. I had to <laughs> age down, but that's another show. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I tell you all the time, I appreciate your work. You do a great job. You helped uh, establish my identity with what I wanted for this show, for this design. And uh, it's very, uh, it's very skilled of you to be able to translate that to other people's uh, kind of visions. And, uh, you know, I thank you very much uh, for that uh, without a doubt. So let's oh, get me. Oh, see you. There you go. All right. We'll get out of here for this week. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad E&B on Instagram and Twitter. My website is IBExclusives.com. Check all the cool stuff I have going on over there, including getting yourself a perfectly rated T-shirt designed by today's guest, Eli of Eli's Digital Concepts. Uh, and head on over to TMPTEmpire.com where you catch all our podcasts, including the Vince Russo, Russo Brand Connection. You could catch the Triple Threat podcast every single week on the Russo brand with myself, John Paz, and the franchise, Shane Douglas, doing it Shane's way. And that's with three fingers up in the air, triple threat for life. And also, if you want to check out Eyes Up Here with the Queen of Extreme Francine, it's at patreon.com slash Francine podcast. So for Eli of Eli's Digital Concepts, this is your old buddy, the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.